Good morning. The reading is Isaiah 2, uh, verses 1 to 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, said concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you here this morning. My name's Anne Louise, if anybody doesn't know me. Um, excuse me, bringing a, 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 it's not that I'm a secret caffeine addict, it's just that um, I've, I've just had a bad cold during the week and I don't want to get to the point when I can't, uh, when I start coughing, so I just brought that in. Oh, I see you've got water already, never mind. So we're going to look at this passage from Isaiah and there should be some, yeah, lovely. So, do, I, do you follow what I'm saying and change, or do I wave at you? Okay. So if you go to sleep, I'll wave at you. Fine. So we are going to look at Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, because this first Sunday of Advent, we're particularly looking at the prophets and the way that they are telling us about the fact that Jesus is coming. So let's just pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the start of Advent. Help us to understand what this means. Help us to understand what Isaiah was saying to your people. And, Lord, thank you that you have something for us in your word, even if it's something different from what the preacher says. We just pray that you would help us to be blessed by your word this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Joe's already said that, contrary to the rest of the world, um, the Church of England starts its year at the beginning of Advent. So that's one slightly strange thing about the Church of England. There's a few other strange things about the Church of England, but we won't go there. Um, but actually, I said, so should we look forward to Advent? Now, I used to find one of the strange things about the C of E is that Christmas doesn't officially start until December the 25th. So that means that actually all the carols and things, we're actually just starting to sing carols in the Church of England when everybody else is actually fed up with them, you know, and, and the mince pies and everything. Um, but Christmas actually starts on December the, the 21st and then goes through to Epiphany, etc. So that's something a little bit different. But I have found over the years that there is something very special about the time of Advent. So to begin with, it started last Sunday 
and, and Nigel last Sunday reminded us that it was celebrating Christ the King. Now, in our world, I want to be king or queen. I want to do what I want to do, and what I feel is right is what is right. Isn't that what we're all told? So, Advent is something saying something totally counter-cultural. It is Christ who is king. Then, although we don't think we've got it, oh, we have, we've got a purple, purple one here. No, you don't need to go ahead yet on my stay there. Um, we've got a purple. I haven't got uh, um, anything on which shows that it's purple. Purple is about repentance. So instead of getting excited about Christmas, we're all supposed to be in a mood of repentance. So is it about how many shopping days? Is it about looking, practicing those carols, which I know we are? Is it about Black Friday? Well, not according to our traditions, which started in the 4th century AD, about what Advent is. It's a completely different lead-up to Christmas. And actually, although I think I always knew that Advent was the word for coming, I didn't actually realize until recently that it is exactly that word which is used in the Greek New Testament about the second coming of Christ. So Advent isn't just about Jesus coming as a baby. Oh, and if you want to remember about Jesus coming the second time, fine. It is actually about the second coming of Christ. And so today, I want to concentrate on that. We might concentrate on all sorts of themes about Advent, and I'm sure other ones will be coming up in the next few weeks. But we're thinking about the second coming of Christ, which we're promised in the Bible and which we're looking forward to. Now, when I used to work in Manchester, every day during December, on my way to work, when Jewish people were also celebrating, but celebrating Hanukkah. There was at the crossroads, as I waited at the lights to get to work, a huge menorah, which is the Jewish candelabra. And it was put up there during Hanukkah. And in Hanukkah, it was not only lit up, but also there was a big announcement at the bottom. And this is what the announcement said. It said, Moshiach, which is the word, their word for Messiah, is coming. Are you ready? Now, that's a good thing to be reminded of two minutes before you start the working day. It sort of puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? So instead of getting really uptight about the difficulties you're going to have at work, it's, oh, Jesus is coming. Am I really ready for this? And recently, a friend who I used to know in Manchester, but who now lives in Israel, has put on her Facebook page that it's really about time the Messiah came because she feels her society in Israel is in such a mess. So I was very pleased to be able to click the like. You know how sometimes you click likes without really thinking. But this one, I thought, wow, yes, I agree with you. We need the Messiah to come again. 
So just briefly, before we look at the passage from Isaiah, I'd just like you to think for a moment about why we need Jesus to come again. Why do we need Christ as king? Why do we need Jesus to be in control? Well, clearly the nations are in disarray. We can't rely anymore on the goodies and the baddies. When I was growing up, all the films told us very clearly, you know, the Germans were baddies, the English were goodies. Um, When it got to the Cold War period, the Russians were all baddies and the English were all goodies. And it was quite clear and you couldn't go wrong. But somehow that doesn't feel quite so right, does it? Maybe sometimes we're the baddies. And it's quite clear that as we look at history that we have been. And in fact, we're so busy thinking about ourselves. I was struck... Uh, when Jan Bacon said that when she came back from Uganda, there were people who were in dire poverty in Uganda because of all the, the, the troubles that have been through Ukraine, etc. They are in a great deal of need, need, but aren't complaining about it, actually are bringing it before the Lord. And here's us thinking that we're in trouble. And the two things, two situations aren't really comparable. We're so busy thinking about our own pockets that we actually have trouble in giving extra money to poorer nations. And we know that war is everywhere. It's not just in Ukraine, but it's in Sudan and Ethiopia and Congo and lots of places that we don't even hear about. There's lots of selfishness and ambition in politics that has been made so obvious in the last few years. There's a horrible feeling that nobody is really in control. So, again, we'd like to think that when things go wrong, you, you, you know, get on the phone and you call the police. Are the police going to come? Nobody knows. There is just this horrible feeling that somehow things aren't quite in control. And there's not the money for the things that we think are important. I don't think that in years past we ever thought that our hospitals would be in such a state that they couldn't actually deal with people who were coming who are seriously ill. We just never imagined that happening. But it has because our world is not under the control of Jesus. So let's turn to Isaiah. Right, I think we're probably further on. So here are the three meanings, the repentance, Christ the King, Jesus coming again. And you might look at any of them, but through the Isaiah passage, we're looking at Jesus coming again. Right, next one, please. So there are two opposite choices. So here's the menorah, the light of God. Here's us tussling over the things that we disagree about. So... Isaiah chapter 2. Let's start with verse 2. The place where everyone needs to worship God, says Isaiah, is where he is. And that is in the temple. Now, of course, Isaiah didn't know that the Messiah Jesus was going to embody the glory of the temple. That's why he talked 
about in three days the temple would be destroyed because he knew that he represented the glory, the Shekinah glory of Israel. And that's, of course, why the Jews hated him so much. But he is the one who is to be raised up in Jerusalem. So in John chapter 12, verse 32, it says that when Jesus is raised up, he will draw all people to him. So just as the Jews might have seen the, the temple, we can see Jesus there raised up. Then verse 3. Are we on to the next one? Here he is. So he'll be raised up, there's Jesus, and he will teach us his ways. We can't possibly follow God's ways ourselves. We know that if we try to do good in our own strength, it simply doesn't work because we have not God's, got God's strength to do it. It's only when we call on the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to learn. That's part of us being in church. We're working with each other to understand how to follow God's ways. Not because we're particularly good people. It's because we're being born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And then in verse 3, it also says, the word of the Lord will go out from Jerusalem. We will recognize that God's justice and his commands for us as his people are the right ones. Now, I'd like to suggest that it's really hard for us at the moment to recognize that God's ways and God's words are the right one. If you spend all your time on social media or on television, you are very easily persuaded that actually God's ways aren't really right. And that is why we need to absorb the truth of that into our lives. That's why we need to belong to Bible study groups. That's why we need to keep meeting together. It's not just, oh, I became a Christian at one point, and you don't need to bother again. Romans says that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we'll own, that will only happen when we read his word and ask God by his Holy Spirit to do that for us. Then in verse 4, it says, he will judge between the nations. He will judge between the nations. Most of our disputes between nations are about land and who owns what. But it says in Isaiah that when the Lord comes, Jesus will see immediately what is the just solution, and we will recognize that. Then it also, oops, sorry, now go back. Um, they will beat their swords into plowshares. They will not train for war anymore. Now, there's no point having weapons if you don't need them for defense. We need to contribute, our government says, to the NATO and to all defense spending because nobody knows what's going to happen next. They're right, aren't they? Um, we worry about it, and so we contribute huge amounts of money. In fact, we tend to think that's more important than helping poor countries who don't have enough. Wrong. 
but nevertheless, that's what happens. If we don't spend billions of pounds on defense, we can spend billions instead on feeding people and caring for them. Now, I've put a picture here, which you'll probably recognize if you are relax and opt out on Sunday nights before the work begins. They're very good, aren't they? Television are giving us programs in which we can do a bit of escapism before we face the real world on Monday morning. And so you will, I'm sure, recognize this. It's the SAS Rogue Heroes. We like a bit of daring do before the reality of the week starts. About a month ago, I had um, a phone call from one of the Abbeyfield homes where I work in another part of the country saying that a lady had particularly asked to be put in touch with me because she was desperately trying to care for her husband who had Parkinson's dementia, very horrible disease, and she asked for somebody to pray for her and with her. So off I went, and I have both been on the phone with her quite a few times and been to see her as well. What I discovered, to my amazement, was that her husband used to be part of the SAS. He was a real-life rogue hero. Now, we tend to think that crazy war heroes can solve all our problems. But this man clearly showed that however brave he'd been, and I'm sure he had been, he couldn't solve his problems now. It wasn't daring do that was going to solve the everyday problems of living with his wife in very difficult circumstances. And thank God they both recognized that and asked that God would become involved in what was happening to them. In fact, as they also pointed out, sometimes the level of violence which is needed to go into dangerous situations means often that it's only criminals or super-hard people who can do it. But actually, it doesn't equip you very much in order to cope with the problems of real life. Now, this passage in Isaiah suggests that we need to encourage each other to look for the Messiah and understand why it's worth having him at the center of our lives. So I want to ask ourselves, do we actually do that? Or do we have just polite chit-chat over coffee like anybody else would have? Are there opportunities for us to really, not trying to be super spiritual or pious, but for us to encourage each other to actually pray and cling on to the Lord? Isaiah says, to his fellow people in Judah. Come, let us walk in the light of God. Come on, we're going to do this together. It's very easy to feel despondent about the state of the world, but that doesn't solve anything. We need, even before he comes, to be humble enough to learn from God now. We need to live in reality and want to do things which make a difference now. Now, I am so pleased that our church can offer a warm space. I'm pleased that they can offer Christmas hampers. 
and invite children to understand the message of Christmas through Christingle and other things. Let's encourage each other. Let's congratulate those who organize that, that sort of thing. Let's be enthusiastic about it. Because actually, in so doing, we are encouraging each other to live in the light of the fact that Jesus is coming again. And also, we're going to feel that what we're doing is worthwhile. Don't know whether you've ever got to the state when you just feel, I don't think I can do anything. I really don't think I've got the strength to make any difference at all. But every time I see contributions at Quakers Road, for example, of people who are giving the hampers for Christmas, I think, isn't this wonderful? People who haven't got very much, very great strength and who are getting old and frail are still contributing to what our church is doing. And we should be pleased about that and not just take it for granted. So, I want to leave you with three verses. At Advent, next one please. Ooh, don't know what happened there. I can't see it at all on that side. I can just about see it. Okay, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And then, next one please. We seek a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Now, there's no point having a new earth and a new heaven if it's going to be exactly like the one that we've got. And I'm not talking now about the beauty of creation. But you only need one of us to be put in that new world, and you know that trouble will be along the way pretty soon. I don't know about what you feel, but when Elon Musk talks about going to Mars, I think this man can't keep his own work group at ease and at peace together. Within two minutes on Mars, they'll all be fighting together. No, I don't think I want to go to Mars, thank you. And I'm sure it's true also about NASA and going to the moon. Why are our problems going to be solved by going to the moon? I really don't understand it at all, when exactly the same people will be causing trouble. No. The difference is that in the new heaven and the new earth, it will be where righteousness reigns, because Jesus, who is righteous, will reign, and because we have been made his righteousness for eternity. So that's why, however much good we do now, and I want us to encourage each other to do good, actually that basic message about repentance and forgiveness and experiencing new life in Jesus is what the real Advent is about, is what we're really about as a church we are about transforming people, not through our power, but through the power of the Lord Jesus. Now, the other verse that I want to point out is, next one, please, Luke 21. There's two chapters. One of them was in today's lectionary reading from Matthew 24, 
and then also this one from Luke 21. Now, it's all about the awful things that are going to happen. So if you want, you know, if, if you want a nice encouraging reading, I wouldn't read these chapters. I know that when they used to be read out in church when I was a kid, I used to be terrified. I used to think, what on earth is happening? I don't think I want to be part of that. Thank you very much. I just want to be safe and sound. Why? Because it's about the world spiraling out of control. And it's terrifying when we think that our world is not in control and I'm not in control of my own life. But Jesus said something completely different. He said these things were going to happen, wars and rumors of wars, but instead of being afraid, he said, when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption, your salvation, what God has brought, bought for you through Jesus' death on the cross is going to find its fulfillment. And that is a wonderful thing to look forward to. When we hear about bad things in our world, we are tempted to hang our heads in despair. Don't, don't we do that? We either look down or we just say, oh, what, what can I say? What can I say? It's so awful. And that's what we feel quite often when we hear the news. But Jesus advocates completely the opposite. Lift up your heads. There's hope. The hope is not because we're about to have Christmas. It's not because the war in Ukraine might end. I don't think also it's about England winning the World Cup or even Wales. It's not either that there might be a regime change in Russia, because even if there is, trouble will pop up somewhere else. But it's because Jesus is coming again. We so easily forget that and get drawn into the everyday life and the troubles of every day. But Jesus is going to put everything right, and that is our hope. So let's just pray together. Lord, thank you for this hope that you've given us. We admit that we quite often forget it, but we pray that you will renew our hope in your coming again this Advent. We pray, Lord, that we will rejoice in what you're going to do on our earth. And thank you that we've got the privilege of knowing you now, that, Lord, when you come in glory, we will all already recognize the Lord Jesus and how wonderful he is. So just give us hope and joy in these weeks of Advent, we pray in his name. Amen.